Hi, I'm Michael Siddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. Nick, we made it to the end of the year. It's our last, it's our last episode. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and so in this episode, we're going to take a look back at uh, some of the amazing predictions you've made through the season uh, and take a look at the year ahead as well. Uh, we're also going to take a look at uh, the major news of this week. Statistics Canada uh, announced that inflation is up to 4.72%, the highest it's been since 1991. Uh, we're going to look at a provincial checkup with Nova Scotia and across the ponds in the United Kingdom. Uh, so let's get started. Inflation, everyone's pocketbook is hurting. Uh, you've got some interesting numbers on, on how Canadians feel about uh, paying the bills these days. You know, it's interesting, Michael, this week, earlier this week, we just had the, uh, we had the Liberals talk about their economic update. But, you know, when we ask Canadians about keeping up with the rising cost of living, a whopping 43% of Canadians are not confident they're going to be able to keep up with the, these rising prices. Another 22% are not confident. That adds up to two out of every three Canadians lacking confidence in keeping up with the rising costs of living. And, you know, at the very top of the list, when we ask people about their economic concerns, it's basically the cost of everyday items like gasoline, 50% see that as kind of their top economic concerns, followed by housing at 20%. So, you know what, this is on the agenda. People are worried about being able to pay the bills. They're worrying about being able to pay for the groceries, for the gas, for the energy. And also they're worried about the rising cost of housing. So regardless of how the liberals are trying to portray what I'll say, the future as positive mm. as uh, as Minister Freeland has, there's a lot of Canadians that are just worried about being able to pay the bill right now. Uh, it's interesting. You, you wonder, you know, how is the political leadership paying attention? And, and I saw some back and forth in the House of Commons the other week where uh, Christian Freeland said that, you know, inflation is a global problem. And in Canada, we know the solution for it. But but I, I, you know, I, I remember the 90s. It was a pretty grim time and 4.72% is quite high. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, the thing to watch are interest rates. Will interest rates go up and what will be the, uh, the longer term guidance and viewpoint from the Bank of Canada? Hmm. Uh, you know, th th there's no good news uh, on this front. I guess you can say with inflation being up that the economy is heating up. It'll be good news for the government because it'll be as the prices of things go up, they'll be able to collect more sales tax. Mm -hmm. on that, which is uh, what I think the Liberals are hoping for in 2022 and 2023. But the fact of the matter is, is that price of housing is going up and the cost of housing, the price of energy is going up. People are worried about the cost of groceries. It's Christmas time. Uh, and, you know, I think right now um, it would probably be better for all of our political leaders, not just the Liberals, but the Conservatives and the Democrats to say, hey, this is a problem. Uh, and uh, here's what you can expect uh, for the coming year, you know, saying that we're doing better than some other countries that our debt to GDP ratio is better than other G7 countries mm -hmm. is nice. But you know what, if you got to buy milk this week, this doesn't really help. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, I think all the federal parties should be taking this as a signal to focus on the economy, what the strategy will be on inflation, how will what will the post pandemic and can we say post-pandemic? Because I, I hope I so, Nick. I hope the so. O word, <laughs> One the day. O word, Omicron, right? <laughs> Holy moly, guacamole. Like we're dealing mm. now with another variant. And uh, that's another level of uncertainty in mm. all of this. Uh, speaking of uh, this new variant of concern, Omicron, um, we are 
you know, it's time for a provincial checkup. And, and in Nova Scotia, there's a new premier, Tim Houston. Uh, and there's, you know, that province is definitely dealing with a rise in cases. Um, how is how is this new premier doing? Seems to be doing pretty well. You know, Tim Houston, leader of the progressive conservative, and mm-hmm. as he would say not to be confused with the conservative, but progressive conservative party of Nova Scotia, uh, won the election last time, running on a fairly progressive uh, platform, focusing on go figure, a progressive conservative leader focusing on health care. Mm-hmm and uh, delivering better health care to Nova Scotians uh, was rewarded with, uh, with a pretty good mandate. You know, in the latest uh, tracking from my, my friends at Narrative Research in, uh, based in Halifax, when they asked on how satisfied or dissatisfied people were with, uh, with the provincial government, Premier Houston's, that he leads, 67% were satisfied to one extent or another, only 20, 22% were dissatisfied according to Narrative Research. So, so right now, at least, or at least leading into this outbreak, pretty good. But this is his first real test. He hasn't really made any mistakes. He's been cruising on a bit of a honeymoon. His handling of the Omicron variation in Nova Scotia will be the first test of his government. And you know what, Michael? You know, Atlantic Canada, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, prided themselves on the Atlantic bubble and fighting off the virus. It's going to see how they make out in this round of dealing with the pandemic. Uh, I, I also see in the headlines, there's a, there's a university campus uh, outbreak uh, in, in Nova Scotia, which, which seems like a pretty big challenge for him. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that uh, at least what's being reported in the news, at least, is that uh, St. of X is, uh, is one of the clusters of the outbreak. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you read the media, there's a lot of finger pointing going on you know, are there students having parties? Does it have to do with the uh, legendary X-ring ceremony that happened to happen around the same time right. uh, as this outbreak? Uh, but uh, this is where uh, Premier Houston is going to have to step in and kind of uh, give guidance, especially since it's it's the Christmas season. So, uh, you know, it's, I think sad to say there's going to be a little bit of Omicron virus hangover, whatever you want to call it, anxiety hmm. as part of the holiday season coming up. I I should note too the X-ring ceremony. They they say that they pro, they uh, followed all you know proper COVID nineteen protocols. So I think it's sort of the the before and after whatever happened uh, that, yeah. that may have been linked to the to the outbreak. Um, so across the pond now, Nick, for our international checkup, uh, British uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I mean, he's been dealing with this pandemic since it started. Uh, he's really uh, having a tough time lately. Uh, we're really seeing Omicron take off uh, in the UK. Um, he's really hit some political turbulence. I know that ha- I say that a lot with Boris Johnson, but this time it seems you know pretty severe. Do you, how how do how does it look for him right now? Is, it, is this because of his hair? Is that why you use the turbulence? I, I'm like actually. That? I mean, are you visualizing I'm, a wind tunnel? Kind of. I'm like, I'm kind of jealous of his hair, to be honest. My way. I mean, he kind okay. of has more hair than me, but. Sorry, I, I, I know that's, I didn't know that that was a sensitive topic. But anyways, uh, Boris Johnson dealing with a number of things. First of all, this Brexit thing isn't panning out like he, he had wanted. He's still, he's still trying to deal with the French and the Europeans on kind mm-hmm. of fishing rights. Uh, you know, luckily, the, the UK economy hasn't been doing that bad. But he's been dogged with these controversies about these staff Christmas parties at 10 Downing Street. And, you know, check out this. This is a killer trend line when you mm. look at the uh, the ballot numbers in uh, in the UK for the national ballot. You know, back in October, the Conservatives were like at around 40 percent. 
Now they've gone down to the low 30s and the Labour Party now has, you know, depending on, you know, which day it is, anywhere from a seven, eight or nine point advantage. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with what I'll say, uh, Boris Johnson being back on his heels, uh, not just because of Brexit, but with this Omicron virus, you know, people are just fundamentally upset, you know, that there was a staff party that basically seems to have disregarded what politicians were telling everyone else in the United Kingdom, mm -hmm. which was not to have these types of parties and to be uh, much more careful uh, when it comes to uh, interactions and respecting the health rules. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, uh, political leaders not doing what they're telling other people to do, we, we had a, a taste of that last year here in Canada, Nick. Are we going to see that again, do you think? Well, not if they're watching this podcast, they shouldn't be. Here's a <laughs> message to any legislators or elected officials or their staff who are watching or tuning into the Trendline podcast. Don't do it. Don't travel. <laughs> don't go out. Don't be pictured at a party. You know, respect the rules. If you want to lay down the law and the rules that are best practices to keep our communities safe, you've got to live by them, not just publicly, but you've got to live by them privately. So how about this? If, if any politician uh, does, uh, does decide to uh, break the rules, I suggest that it's okay for Canadians to show up with pitchforks at their front door. <laughs> and, because, come on, we've been in yeah. this pandemic for a while. You should yeah. know better. Yeah. Um, very well said, Nick. Um, well, I think we're gonna take. I think we're gonna take a quick break now. But when we come back, uh, we're gonna check in on how you you've done with your predictions for 2021, and we will look ahead to the year 2022. And welcome back. Uh, so on this show, uh, Trendline, Nick, you make a, you make the odd prediction. I don't believe you have psychic abilities, uh, but but you definitely are checking the pulse of Canadians, and you've got some very you know keen insights. Uh, so I just want to go through uh, a few of the ones that you made in 2021, and, and we can and we can see how you see how you've done. Okay. Uh, my producer <laughs> Trevor has written them out here, so I have to I have to read on my phone. Please forgive the awkwardness. Uh, so up first. Uh, this was in March, uh, after the Conservative Party members voted down a, a motion to recognize climate change as real, you predicted that we would see this thrown back at the Conservatives and even open them up to attack ads. Uh, I, think, I think that's safe to say you got that one right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the, both the Liberals and the New Democrats really dined out on this one, pointing out that uh, there was a difference, rift in the party, and also uh, saying that, uh, you know, Aaron O'Toole, is the leader of a party that uh, does not uh, embrace or at least recognize climate change. So it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's basically dogged him mm. and, uh, and it's been part of the narrative that, the, that perhaps the conservatives are not as united as, uh, as the conservatives would like to be. Uh, number two, in April now, after the Liberals unveiled their national childcare plans, uh, you said on the show that this will form a key plank of the Liberal campaign platform and that they would use the issue to stoke fear to prevent other parties, particularly the Conservatives, uh, from forming government. And how did we do on that one? I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, we did. We did pretty well on that. Although we must say that. Uh, so first of all, childcare was one of the big issues in the election campaign. Mm -hmm. The Liberals wanted to, to focus on that, as did the uh, the New Democrats. One thing that I would like to say is that the Conservatives came out strong on childcare too. 
with mm. their alternative plan. I think the Conservatives saw that this was a potential vulnerability. They wanted to appeal to women voters, especially in the suburbs. So uh, yes, uh, the Liberals wanted to fearmonger, but they weren't able to fearmonger as much because the Conservatives came out strong, Aaron O'Toole, with an alternative plan to the mm. Liberals on this one. And finally, Nick, uh, number three, this is in August. Uh, the election was just underway and you made a prediction about how vaccines would be, and I quote, a bazooka for the Liberals to use against the Conservatives. Um, and I think I can say that you are very spot on with that one. Yeah, although bazooka is not part of the regular lexicon for uh, social scientists <laughs> or data scientists. Actually, it was more than a bazooka. It became more than a bazooka because I thought they'd just blow a hole into the conservatives and then, then it would go away. Mm. But uh, this is basically, you know, the liberals launching with the launch codes. It's like release the nuclear warheads, mm. keep attacking the conservatives on vaccination. What I did not predict was that even after the election, the conservatives could not put this to rest. Like, let's face it, they've had a while since the last federal election to try to put vaccinations behind them so that they can focus on affordability, inflation, the rising cost of housing, anything else. And uh, this is still a vulnerability. So, and, and the liberals are still taking advantage of uh, vaccinations in order to undermine the conservative brand. Uh, now, I just, I wanna quickly go through all the major party leaders, Nick, and, and just sort of, you know, sketch out the political landscape in, in 2022. Uh, beginning with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he 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 succeeded. He he won a mandate again, uh, but it was basically back to where he was uh, before the election was called. Uh, uh, and he's got this new Omicron uh, uh, pandemic. So, what is what does it look like uh, in the year ahead for him? I think the big question is: It'd be like, will he? Won't he? Might he step down? Mm. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that uh, he has won the greatest number of seats in three elections. Um, he's, he's giving a lot of latitude to ministers like Minister Freeland, right? And, uh, but, you know, so the thing is, is, you know, there's been increasing speculation about what his future is. It has nothing to do with what he has said or what he has done, but just speculation as to, uh, you know, his level of enthusiasm in, in being prime minister and uh, also allowing uh, some of his cabinet colleagues to take a higher profile. So I think, I think, the, I think that'll be the looming question uh, in the uh, in the liberal tribe, what is the future of Just Trudeau? That said, I firmly believe that his future is in his own hands. There won't be anything that happens that ousts him, but that if he decides that he'd like to move on, that'll be a decision that he'll make. Hmm. Interesting. Um, now, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, we were just talking about, uh, he's had a really interesting year. Um, he, he interesting, really, inter interesting. Uh, interesting, and yeah. <laughs> He, I mean, he went from, he's basically been on a roller coaster. Now he's dragging his party uh, against some of the, you know, some, there's some concern there for some of them that he's kind of moving the party. Let's, I guess I can say more center right. Uh, so, so he's had a heck of a year. Now, what does 2022 look like for, for Aaron O'Toole? Well, on paper, it should be good on a number of fronts. First of all, um, the economy is probably going to be increasingly important, and the conservatives are usually strong on that front. Um, the other thing is, is that you know the the liberals have been in, in power for a number of years, and you know they they still they haven't won the popular vote in the last two elections. So the conservatives still have that uh, in their favor, and you know I think the strategy for the conservatives is not to move to the center, 
but move towards the center. They just have to move a little bit hmm. in order to attract those blue liberals who might be fatigued with a very progressive Trudeau liberal government. Hmm. So, uh, but you know, when you look, when you look at O'Toole's personal brand, uh, it was, it was low uh, going into the election. He built it up and uh, some of that capital has been lost. That capital that he built up during the election has been lost in the post-election period as he's still been dealing with grumblings within his own party and, uh, and the vaccination status and hmm. explanation of a number of caucus members. But his problem, I think his problem is with caucus. It's not a party problem. It's not a rank and file problem. I don't even think it's a conservative voter problem. His problem is his caucus because his caucus uh, is much more right wing than average conservative voters, much more socially conservative than average conservative voters. That's the circle. That's his, that's his, that's the circle that he's got to square. Uh, so, he, I mean, on that note, Nick, he he avoided a leadership review uh, vote, uh, but it, it sounds like from what you're saying that that he will continue to be fighting against some of his caucus members uh, next year. Oh, absolutely. I think he's got to he's got to put this vaccination thing to rest. Man, if he can't put it to rest and, you know, let's face it, you don't need a poll to know that 85 percent of Canadians have received the vaccination. Like, come on, who do you want to vote for you, the 85 percent or 15 and you know what? You don't need to be like a New York lawyer to figure out, uh, I think maybe we should be going after the 85% of Canadians, whoever they happen to be, not the 15% who are vaccine hesitant. Uh, no, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, it seems like his party is exactly where they've been for the past couple of years. Is, is that, is that uh, safe to say? Yeah, not good, not bad, right? Hmm. Uh, he, he's well positioned. You know, I think for... For Jagmeet Singh, he's got to hope that the Liberals have a misstep, that they have a scandal, that uh, you know something undermines the Liberal brand, and they and the, and the New Democrats become the progressive alternative. Uh, Singh's personal brand is still pretty strong, uh, so their hope has to be a Liberal misstep. Haven't seen that yet, but you know what? Don't underestimate the ability of governments to mess things up, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see something happen in 2022. For sure, it'll be interesting to see who the beneficiary might be. Will it be Aaron O'Toole or Jagmeet Singh? Uh, how about uh, Bloc Québécois leader Yves-Francois Blanchet? Is there any uh, momentum behind him or, or is, he, is it basically treading water? Well, I think he's, he's, he's in a good spot because uh, his numbers at least remain solid in the province of Quebec. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing is, I think for him, he's got to decide what he wants to try to deliver and advocate for in Quebec in the uh, Federal House of Commons in order for him to show some wins. So there's an upside for him, but he's got to see whether he can use any leverage to squeeze anything out of Quebec, out of the federal government, that is, for his home province that he represents. Uh, we spent a lot, a lot of time uh, discussing the Green Party, uh, and they have a, an interim leader, uh, Emmett Kuttner. Do you think, uh, do you think, the Green Party will will still be sort of a presence in in, in Canadian politics, or, or do you think the past year has has really kind of damaged that uh, for for Canadian voters? Well, it definitely damaged it in the short term. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what role that Cutner wants to take. Will they want to be more proactive? Uh, will they just be a caretaker leader um, and? You know what will their role be in the uh, in the leadership race? You know, uh, Cutner is the interim leader. 
I think for the Green Party, they've got to say that they the past is the past, and let's erase that from uh, mm-hmm. from the Green Party memory and focus on the future. And I think what Canadians are going to want to hear from the Greens is not only what their vision is for the country and the environment, because the environment is still the top national issue of concern, mm-hmm. but how is the Green Party now more united than it was in the last federal election? Because if they continue to be divided, it'll just be bad news uh, for for the Greens. Uh, Finally, Nick, uh, in 2022, we have two uh, major elections. Well, all elections are major. I shouldn't say that. But Ontario and Quebec. Uh, It sounds like we've got a very exciting year ahead of us. Absolutely. So, you know, for Quebec... Uh, that election will be like on or before October. So that'll be in the fall. And then in June, it'll be on or before in Ontario, on or before the uh, in June 2nd. Uh, you know, right now, the Quebec numbers at least look pretty strong for, uh, for, the, for the premier. Uh, it's, hard to see, it's hard to see him losing unless he really has some type of self-forced error. Hmm. Um, the Ontario one, the Ontario election is going to be interesting, and uh, and you know I think it would be fair to say that uh, you know the the we know from the polling that we've seen out there and that's out there that the uh, the Liberal leader doesn't really have a lot of uh, political coattails right now. Um, Ford is not to be underestimated. He might try to position himself as he'll probably he'll probably take a page out of the Stephen Harper book, which is not to say that he's perfect, not to say that he's huggable, but to say mm-hmm. that he is the best comparative choice. But how's this? In both of those elections, the thing to watch will be the provincial liberal brands. Because right now in Quebec, the provincial liberal party is back on its heels. In Ontario, the ballot numbers are competitive with the conservatives, but the leader is weak. And you know what? Those are two big, uh, those are two big provincial elections. Two thirds of all the voters in the country will be voting provincially. And uh, I think both the conservatives, the liberals and the new Democrats and the Greens will be looking at those provincial elections and reading entrails as to what they might mean for a federal election in Clutch Your Chest 2023. Oh, I was worried you're going to say that, Nick. That's how we're ending the podcast. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, there we go. It is what it is. Nick, as always, it's been a terrific year uh, and looking forward to the year ahead. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Michael. It's been a blast. And where can we find you? All the data is on the web at www.nanos.co, or you can follow me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos. And for more information on what Nick and I have discussed as well, you can go to ctvnews.ca. You can also find me on Twitter at Michael Siddle. Thanks very much for listening and watching.